What up, Siege Nuts? Welcome back to another episode of More Than Music. I'm your host for today's episode. My name is Sky Guasco. Today, my guest is Samira Lobby, an incredible musician, performer, and activist. She's been a great friend of Soul Seed for a long time. We perform with multiple of her groups, Soul Vibrator, aka Soul Vibes, and also Sage Crow, The Flock, an incredible super group right here in the Eugene community. I was blessed to sit down with Samira. We've been friends for a long time, but I finally had a chance to dive into some deeper conversations, which I really appreciated and got incredible value from, and I know that you will as well. Samira spent time leading the diversity committee for the School of Journalism at the University of Oregon, and that gave her a unique perspective on being a person of color in the Eugene community and uh, as a musician here. We deep dive into her incredible relationship with both of her parents. Her mom is from Kenya and her father as well. We talk about what life has been like through the quarantine and everything. She's had some unique situations, which all of us have um, through this time and how her partner has really kind of been that pillar for her and how she's got through some troubling times recently. So had a wonderful conversation with Samira. You will recognize her voice from the song Possible Obstacles, which you can find on our most recent album, The Spark. You can also catch that song music video on YouTube, Possible Obstacles on our YouTube page. And you can catch Samira Lobby live with us at Hi-Fi Music Hall for our album release show a couple years ago. I had a wonderful time sitting down with Samira. She's a sweetheart. She's also a fierce, fierce activist, and she's about the performance and singing and has a lot of passions and pride. And it was an absolute pleasure to have her as my guest today. So without any further ado, please enjoy this episode with our good friend, Samira Long. Welcome to the More Than Music podcast hosted by us, Soul Seed. We'll be sharing tour stories, lyric breakdowns, and insights into our approach to music, the art, as well as the business. We'll also be interviewing some of the friends and family we've made throughout the years in the spirit of sharing their many marvelous trials and triumphs. So get comfortable and join us as we explore More Than Music. With us today, my good friend, Samira Lobby. Samira, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. So good to see you. Thanks for having me on. I'm very, very excited to have you on. We, uh, The boys and I have been making a, a long list of guests and trying to brainstorm all these people coming up. And we wanted to make sure to have you on for a number of things. We're obviously going to get into a lot in this conversation. Um, but you have uh, created a track with us, which we'll get into later on in the show. And um, I always find that extra special. So as many people on this podcast, we met through music, but with the podcast being more than music, music kind of dominates my life for sure. And as far as I know, yours as well in normal circumstances, uh, but per usual, everybody is about so many different things. So you have so much uh, so many other things to bring to the table, and I'm excited to get into that with you this evening. Um, so you and I met through uh, through your time with Soul Vibes, which we'll get into in a second, um, and then we eventually grew to create a track together, and we spent a lot of time on stage, spent a lot of time on and off stage at events, local events, and, and traveling and sh such, but unfortunately, until now, we haven't spent a lot of time just not having music be a part of the the scene. So I'm excited about that. So, you know, let's just kick it off with with kind of where the year has taken us. Um, you and I are both musicians 
in a normal circumstance, but everything has been flipped upside down, of course, with COVID and the quarantine situation. And, and we are up here in the Northwest, um, in Oregon and, and our, uh, our rules and things have been, have been, uh, pretty strict from the beginning. We were some of the first, one of the first States to really lock down. And at this point, we're one of the last States to relinquish that and get back to things as some of the other country is opening up here. So, you know, my first question to you, um, is how has the quarantine, uh, and, and COVID, um, affected your life specifically, uh, via music or, or, um, otherwise this past year and a half? Yeah, I definitely want to touch on that stuff. I also just really want to thank you for having me on and, um, the shout outs about like spending a lot of time on stage together and like some of the traveling and stuff definitely miss that. And COVID has definitely changed my life. I mean, first of all, I'm not going to lie. It was really rough in the beginning. I felt like I had finally gotten down to a routine with work, yoga, music. I was just starting off with Sage Crow and like getting into a, a normal setting of having like soul vibrator rehearsal and Sage Crow rehearsal, going to yoga and meditation very often throughout the week. And then like meeting my friend at the hot tub at OK Fitness and, you know, like everything was going really well. I felt like my health was really good. And then COVID hit and that all really changed. I mean, um, my partner and I both live together and he's also a musician. And so he kind of had the same lifestyle of like always playing music, always having gigs. And then now we're both at home together all the time. And that was like a major change for us. Like there's no one else I'd rather be stuck in quarantine with, but it was like such an adjustment. And I know everyone can relate. So that was really interesting. And now like it's been so long and we we really are so grateful that we have each other to make music with, but it's so different than like being with my seven piece funk band or like nine piece that Soul Vibrator is. So um, yeah, that was really, really a big change of like not playing music, not doing like my normal activities. And then um, Black Lives Matter got really big and that really hit me as a person of color. I had people who I hadn't talked to in like 10 years reach out to me saying like, whoa, I didn't realize you're like the only black person that I really know. And can I get you lunch? Can I get you dinner? Where? What's your address? I'll post me you something. And as cool as that was, that was also really overwhelming because mm. the news was so intense. And then the protests and everything was so intense. And then, um, you know, my guy is a philosophy minor. He's super intelligent and really likes to challenge things. And he's really challenged me during that time of um, like, you know, what is going on? What do you think about it? What do you think the ultimate answer is? And I was like, okay, I'm going to let them think about it because I'm going through my own thing right now. Hmm. But I couldn't escape it. I mean, going to the grocery store, going anywhere in the world, people look at me, they probably think they know exactly how I feel, where I stand. And it's been pretty uncomfortable. Um, I guess that what I'd want to say is that I'm in full support of the same things a lot of people are, ending systemic racism, um, you know, biases, really getting out of the picture. 
um, and really just like moving forward as a society with more people of color in better places. I mean, it's just incredible how we haven't moved away from so many things that were back in, I mean, really old times that shouldn't have happened in the first place. So um, I don't know. It's definitely been interesting because I can't, I can't really put my finger on exactly how I feel at this point with like all of that. Um, besides that, I think that it's been really nice to have people recognize the possible pain that I felt. Mm. I also have to make the statement that my mom is straight out of Africa. She came here from Kenya. I don't have any relatives or any ancestors who were slaves. So I wrote a paper in college, went to U of O, got a degree in public relations. And um, I wrote a paper about how like I'm black, but I don't really fit in with some of the blacks. And I'm black, but I don't totally fit in with the whites. I don't know, it's just really interesting. Um, back in college, I ended up leading the diversity committee for the School of Journalism and learning that like everybody, people of color of all sorts go through a lot of the same things that um, black people go through just in different ways and for different reasons. It's really interesting. And um, now that like stop Asian hate is a hashtag, it's amazing. I think we're just moving in the right direction and I'm so grateful. I think that it's really important that Arab hate has been a main thing, has been a major thing in this country. And Asian hate absolutely has. And now um, Black Lives Matter is coming to light, which has in the past, which was actually something that my dad and I talked about a lot because my dad um, told me, you know, Samira, this Black Lives Matter thing, it's really popular right now, but it's probably not gonna last. I've seen this before. I've seen this happen before. I've seen people protest. I've seen some policies change, but at the end of the day, people don't change. They're still taught the same thing. And they're taught the same thing from their families or the people around them, their communities. And I said, I think you're kind of wrong because now we have social media. And I think social media is bringing people a little bit more together. I agree. And he said, I hope you're right. That was one of the last conversations I ever had with my dad. Because during the pandemic, he ended up dying of a heart attack, which was totally out of left field for me. That was a whole new experience. Um, Sky, you may have met my dad. I'm not sure. He was at a lot of shows. I, I did meet him a few times and a huge supporter of not only you, but the music scene in general and an active supporter on our Seedstronaut page. Uh, every once in a while, I would post up our video with you uh, singing Possible Obstacles with us at um, then Hi-Fi for album release. And I would always tag you in it, of course, and give a shout out. And he would be the first one up there, um, <laughs> you know, giving love and, and shouts out to us for even having you on stage and all this. And he and I would like 
we'd have to like argue about whose pleasure it was to have you <laughs> on stage. Cause he'd be like, I'm so thankful that you had her play with. I'm like, no, no, hold on. Hold on. We're thankful that she would even play with us, you know? So yeah. Seemed, yeah. Seemed that familiar. sounds about right. My dad was totally that guy. He was totally the front row of every show that he could make it to. And, um, really influenced my music, my love for music. Actually. He, um, Played a lot of music when I was growing up, took me to concerts, took me to jazz festivals, and I didn't really know music that well. Um, I mean, I guess not to the degree that I do now, but he really was a huge fan and he absolutely loved Soul Seed. Like, he actually, I don't know if you can see his playlist on Spotify, but like all Soul Seed's albums are on there. Oh, and that's um, amazing. I them a lot. So, yeah, my dad was a big deal in my life and so losing him was really hard and of course losing him in the middle of a pandemic when like we can't really have a celebration of life or like I couldn't be in the hospital with him because he had a heart attack um ambulance came got him and him and my mom were able to be together and that means the world to me Great. my mom was his, his favorite person in the world so it just works out perfectly but. that's beautiful yeah, I mean, it's so crazy too because like the last conversation I had with my dad was still like a lesson and like of wow, it's not just social media or like people hearing about this. It's actually our hearts need to change. And that is not happening. People want that to change, but it's not actually happening. Easier said than done, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I live with that now and it's like incredible. I mean, I'm going through life in that way too, where I'm realizing, shoot, I need to back up. I need to like check myself and think about like what my dad said about like things repeating, things happening. And um, am I doing that? Am I doing that with myself? How do mm. I change? How do I challenge myself? Mm. And um, through the pandemic, I ended up quitting one of my jobs or yeah, my job um, didn't feel like it was the right place for me. I was doing marketing culture. didn't really fit me, I think, but you know, it wasn't necessarily just the people. It was also the job. I think that um, I went to school for marketing and public relations. So I started doing jobs that were that. And at the end of the day, I realized that that wasn't really for me. I'm a people, I connect with people. I'm a networker. Same. I love to help out. Same. So I was like, I need to do something that's very involved with people and not very involved with like marketing and getting people to like pay attention to me. I want people to come to me. So um, I kind of, I quit that job in the middle of a pandemic. And, um, that added on to all of the other things I was going through. I mean, that happened before my dad died. And when I told my dad that I quit, he was like, good for you. He was always supportive. Um, so anyway, pandemic has been really intense because of Black Lives Matter, not playing music, dad dying, adjusting to life, working from home, being at home 24 hours with my partner. And, um, I started reading people's biographies, actually. I love that. Kid. That's one of my one of my hobbies as well. 
Right. Especially for me, it's especially musicians and athletes, uh, primarily because I've been a musician and athlete most of my life. So I love to hear the the backstories of of who these people were, how they became who they are, and if they're retired or they've passed on or no longer doing what they do, um, what that process afterward had been like as well. So I, I agree with you. That's that's the the knowledge I ingest is is uh, usually the most fun are you know, those biographies, autobiographies and things like that, watching documentaries uh, as opposed to fantasy shows and stuff like that. It's it's usually watching documentaries and reading uh, autobiographies and things like that. So I, I think that's great. Cool. Yeah. So you feel me. I, mean- I do. I super feel you. And, and you know, this um, and just full, full uh, transparency, because I'm going to bring this up um, for podcast listeners and, and YouTubers. Uh, by the time you're watching this, um, these are this is a pre-recorded episode, um, and right around the time that uh, DMX had passed on, um, died of a heart attack at complication of a heart attack at 50 years old, and he was one person. I bring it up because it's so recent. He's one person that I thought had um, a lot of misconceptions about his personality, who he was, his career, and I'd been a big fan of him since middle school, and. Um, I dug deep into his backstory when he passed on, which my brother texted me immediately and was like, man, it's kind of sad that it takes somebody passing on like this to get their music back on the front and center, right? Like I remember when Tupac died, you know, I'm 34. So when Tupac died in 96, um, it was a huge deal for me. I remember it vividly. And I remember him being the most popular artist again overnight. And then the lake and sublime and Nirvana and all these things growing up, they become the most popular musician after the fact. And it's a cool tribute. Prince was another big one. Bowie. It's a great tribute, but it's almost sad in a way that um, it takes something so drastic for people to say, oh man, I wish I saw them in concert. I wish I bought their albums earlier. I wish I had heard their music when my friend had told me to check them out because now I literally don't have the opportunity to do so. And without getting too far off base here, um, that is something I like about documentaries and autobiographies is because I like to learn that stuff now while they're kind of like coming up. Like I've done like too much research on like Taylor Swift and Justin Bieber and Beyonce. And I'm not a huge fan of their music to be perfectly honest, but I'm interested in the human beings that they are and what it takes to be that person. Right. And um, other musicians as well. And and athletes, of course, I'm a super baseball nerd. Um, So even guys that played in the forties, I'm very interested in, in their life back then, you know, serving in world war II and then coming back and playing ball professionally and then going out and, and doing the Vietnam war or something and coming back. It just, Phenomenal. So sorry to, to steal the thunder a little bit. No, I just, I um, that. that fires me up a little bit. Cause that's, that's a passion of mine as well. For sure. And it's so true. I mean, I am so grateful that there are people that I can read their biography and they're still like their early forties. Like, I don't think that you have to be a certain age to write one or to be relevant in that way. But I do think that you're totally right that, unfortunately, a lot of people don't aren't as appreciated until after they pass on. Absolutely. And something I've – I don't like to use the term regret, and I try not to let regret, like, infiltrate my life uh, because I just try to learn from things and, 
you know, get better. But one thing I regret straight up is not having the foresight. First of all, because I never, none of us in Soul Seed knew that Soul Seed would become what Soul Seed did over a decade. That's that's real life. Uh, we were just playing show to show, and ten years later, we've got this catalog of things to look back on. But the reality is, none of us knew what was going to happen, so there was no reason or anticipation for us to document things. Yes, we have social media, but we were late to the game on Instagram. We only got one because, like, why not everyone else is doing it? You know, and and I I wish. I'm a huge fan of Gary Vaynerchuk, who's an entrepreneur and and just a game changer. Um, and one thing that he has done for 20 years is he's basically had a camera crew literally follow him around and document every meeting he has, phone calls, uh, the conversations he has. Um, he's a social media guru is basically how he got put on the scene and, and wine as well. So in 2009, 2006, he was saying, buy stock of Facebook, buy stock of Google, buy stock of, you know, this, whatever. And people were like, dude, whatever, like who even knows what those things are? All of a sudden they become what they are, right? He was telling everybody about TikTok three years ago and nobody knew what it was. And all of a sudden TikTok is the biggest thing on the planet. And it's not so much that he's predicting things. It's that he has the documentation to show that, and it's not even to pat himself on the back. It's just that, like, look, I took the time to like record myself, made a prediction and some of them blow up in his face, but it's cool that he can go back and say, Hey, like, not only did I tell you so, but I have the documentation to look back on myself. And why did I make that decision at that time? And we talked about a lot of things being cyclical, right. And, and returning and, and trends, if you will, returning a lot of those things tend to do so, but why I think the history part of it, is why do they return? And, you know, like I have a teenage daughter and like the nineties fashion and stuff is coming back to be cool again. And mom and I are sitting there like, Oh my God, like what is happening? You know? But again, it's just like, you know, the sixties rock and roll was the thing that I grew up with in high school. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's, it's just so funny. And, and one thing I regret is that we, we did not have the foresight as a band to document more. We don't have a bunch of live video. I mean, we do ish on YouTube, but we've played, you know, hundreds of shows and we have hundreds of hours, maybe online, we should have thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of, of online video. And we just frankly don't. And I really wish we had done that. And that's what I love about this podcast now is we can kind of double back a little bit, start having these conversations, relive some fun times and some stories and experiences, document them, revisit it in the next five or 10 years. And I think it's going to be really fun to see what comes back. Really true. I mean, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, I don't have any kids now, but I imagine 15 years from now, what that's going to be like. It It is. A, it's very interesting to have the conversations of, you know, and I, I don't want to dive too much into this. I'll make an episode of my life. I feel like I've lived like four or five lives at this point, like honestly, just straight up different people. But I grew up in California. I moved up to Oregon when I was 19 join soul seed and the rest is history but the person that i was in california and the person that everybody in oregon knows me as are literally different people they're completely different people mindsets habits everything is different and that's been a very intense conscious movement for myself internally to you know shed that skin from who I was growing up in the Bay Area and just a totally different person to becoming who I actually feel comfortable being, which is an Oregonian. It's a Eugene hippie. It's like, that's who I feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable being 
money hungry, you know, living in traffic five hours a day to make, you know, make extra money, buying the big house. And look, most of my friends and a lot of my family do that. And I love them all. It's no hate. It's just not for me. And I just really applaud anybody that's made any life decision, whatever it may be, big or small, that now they feel comfortable in their own skin more so for doing so. Again, whatever it is, mine just simply was like, I got to get out of town after high school, go up to Oregon, check it out. And I never left. And it turned into Soul Seed and my family and everything else. And I'm just so blessed. But, you know, doing anything you can to um, shed a previous skin, I think that, that, you know, might not be your safe space, I think is so important. And I'm really thrilled that we live in a time now where it's more accepted to, to do that on any level of of where you're at. You know what I mean? It could be anything, you know? Um, and I just, I really appreciate that. So, you know, I'm excited. That's why I'm excited to have you on here. I, I, I know that you've been through a lot in this last year, the passing of your father, of course, and, you know, um, not having work as a musician, you know, and turning to other things. Uh, coincidentally, I was making some notes here. I want to kind of unpack a lot of things that you, you brought up in the intro here. And we're going to dive deeper into a lot of these things as well as we move on. Um, but specifically, uh, quitting your job during a pandemic. When you said that, I was just like, oh, girl, I get it. <laughs> like, so long story short, I won't mention the company. Anybody here that knows, knows, but uh, I won't throw them under the bus. But I work for a local company here in Eugene that I was so excited to work for. Um, for years and years and years and years and years, they were a, a pillar of the Eugene community. I grew up idolizing it. Um, and I finally got a job, scored a job with this company. I was so pumped up. Long story short, we had management changes, blah, 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 within my first year, and it kind of was a mess. And then COVID hits, and we start working from home. And again, I also love my family, you know, uh, and it's been a blessing to be home more often than not after being on the road more often than not. So I've actually really enjoyed it as well. But I think everybody has some level of cabin fever. And I started realizing that it wasn't the job that I was enjoying as much as I thought I would. It was the people I worked with. It was the fact that I got to leave the office and go visit clients. And I got to have new in interesting conversations every day. I got to meet business owners in Eugene. And like yourself, I got to help people. I got to say, hey, I have a skill set and I work my ass off. How can I do that for you? How can we scratch each other's back? That's what I'm good at. That's what I love to do. It's my passion. That's what was keeping me going when we were at work. Now I'm at home not visiting people, not seeing my coworkers, only in Zoom meetings all day long. You know what I mean? It just became this monotonous thing. And then I started to resent the work because it wasn't the work that I loved. It was the people and the relationships I was building and maintaining. That's what I love to do. And then I realized that's what I miss about music so much. Of course, I miss being on stage and playing music, but I feel like that's frosting for what we do. People don't notice all the work we do before we get on stage. And I really enjoy the work we do before we get on stage. And I wasn't able to do that once things shut down for the band. And so once you said that, I was just like, oh, man, that has been my year and a half. And it still is. I've been unemployed for a while. And I've got side hustles like everybody else. But um, it's been a really interesting reality uh, for me to quit my job. I quit my job because I wasn't feeling it. I Thank congratulations. Thank you. And you know, it's yeah. so funny because you said that you said that your dad, um, you know, obviously very supportive and I've seen that firsthand as well, but you said that um, it almost 
wasn't surprising that he supported you because he's pops and that's, you know, that's what pops does. But when you quit your job, especially during a pandemic, you think like, Oh shit. Like (laughs) what the hell am I doing? Like, what am I doing? I'm not going to lie. He was like the last person I told. Because you're worried about a negative response. I did the same thing. I, I, I talked through it with my, my family forever and they gave me the, the support to do it. And I eventually did because ultimately I felt like I wasn't getting treated properly for the amount of effort I was exuding and I'll leave it at that. But the reality is I stepped away as well, knowing that I didn't have a job coming up. I knew, and, and I felt really, um, I felt really, uh, guilty and I felt like this was a time that like privilege really punched me in the face because I all of a sudden quit my job, made enough money to just nest egg it for a few months till something else came up. But then I started realizing like, man, so many people I know, restaurant owners, you know, whatever, musicians, artists, yada, yada. So many people I know got fired. They got furloughed. They got laid off. They didn't leave on their own accord. They got pushed out. And here I am, you know, feeling like, you know, I'm not happy. I'm going to leave. And it was more than that. And I don't regret it now. But at the time, I was kind of like, man, that was that was kind of not the, the cool move. I mean, that just that wasn't appropriate. And then, like you said, your dad came over the top and supported you. And once he supported you, you're like, all right, I feel good about it. Once my parents and once my coworkers and once my good friends that I knew were going to like be in my corner, but not just agree with me because I'm me. Once they started saying like, hey, man, you stood up for yourself. How do you feel? And I was like, whoa, that's weird. I've never like done that before. <laughs> I don't stand up for myself. I stand up for other people. So I now stood up for myself and it felt good to feel good. And um, I just had realized that like, I don't do that very often. So I also commend you for doing the same thing. And I was scared shitless to do it, to be honest. I straight up was. And then I did it because my my gut, my stomach, I couldn't wake up and do the same job. Like I just wasn't feeling it. and. One thing my parents have always instilled in me is if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong, right? If your heart's not in it, your soul's not in it. And if your soul's not in it, you're, it's dead to you, you know, and that was the case. And so I also commend you in, in uh, stepping away because it's, it's very important that we take our own personal power back when we're able to do so. Right. And, you know, after doing that, I totally changed my mindset. I mean, I, I looked back. I did some reflection. I had realized that I graduated high school all the way in 2010. And then from there, I went to college. And then I was in college for like eight years, not knowing what the heck I was doing, but knew that I had to go to college because that was what had been drilled into my brain. I wasn't ready. I don't think I was ready to go to college when I did. Did your, I want to cut you off really quick. Cause again, I want to cut you off just for a second. Cause I, again, I'm, I'm totally, we're on the same page here, which is crazy. I just, I just, I just want to ask you, I just want to ask you, um, you said you went to college because that's what you do. I feel exactly the same. My question is, did your parents push that on you? Did your family push that on you? Did your friends push that on you or did they not? And you push that on yourself. I would absolutely say that it was pushed on me from my parents and mostly my mom. I mean, my mom is from a small uh, town or village in Kenya called Matandoni. It's off of Lamu. It's close to Lamu Island. 
and it's on the east coast of Africa in Kenya. And um, I mean, she's like her being in America and having kids. I think that we might have been the first kids born in the United States from somebody from her village. Really? I mean, wow. It was a big deal. Wow. So and another way of looking at that, I'm a firstborn college, a first generation college student. Absolutely. And so that was like my life. You go to school, you go to college. At my high school graduation, I'm pretty sure my mom said, this is cool, but it's not as good as college graduation is going to be. Mm. Something along those lines. And so I've always had that, oh my gosh, I have to go to college. And I hope that I don't do the same thing. I hope that um, when I have kids, I like encourage them to figure out what they want to do. I think that college is fantastic and I'm super glad I went, changed my life for sure. I met, I mean, that's how I met my band. So I'll tell you guys about that. But um, I just imagine what it would have been like if I took some time to figure out what I really wanted to do. However, everything worked out. I'm super happy. Life is good. Isn't that weird? I went to college. Isn't that weird? (laughs) Man, you know, that that saying, the classic saying, everything happens for a reason, I like, I live by it and I absolutely despise it at the same time. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Like I live by it, but then there's some things that happen and you're just like, nah, that one didn't, that one doesn't work. That that one wasn't supposed to happen. I promise you, you know, and I look, I'm with you again. I I graduated high school in 2005. So five years before you in California. And the reality is I didn't want to go to a California state school um, or university, whatever college in California, because the reality is who I was at the time, uh, you know, I would have been in the party scene. You know, I was worried that I was going to get like heavy into drugs and alcohol, like everybody else did and party. And it's California, dude. It's, you know, the Cali life. I mean, I was wrapped up in it and I was really worried about that. So I got into a couple state schools, but my buddies and I took a trip to Eugene, Oregon, which I didn't even know existed before 2007, um, which is hilarious, right? Yeah. So we took a trip up here because we had some good friends we graduated with that uh, went to U of O right out of high school. They said, hey, come up, you know, stay with us. We'll show you around town if it's cool. Put in an application. If not, then go somewhere else. We're like, all right, no big deal. Loved Eugene. It was phenomenal. We went to a concert up in um, Portland for Xavier Rudd, who's my favorite musician ever. And that weekend should have changed my life. We went home. We both applied. We all applied to U of O. Some of us got in. Some of us didn't. We went to Lane. We went to U of O. The rest is history. But I basically went to college as well because that's what you do. Now, the difference is my parents did not push me to go to college. They encouraged me to go because they did not go to college. Uh, They went to vocational schools. You know, my dad was a contractor. My mom was a nurse. So they went to vocational schools, but they didn't go to straight up college, you know. And my brother would eventually go to Chico, but he's two years before me. So I'm like the front runner in the family making it happen. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing. All my friends were better athletes or they were smarter in school or they were going to Cal Berkeley and, and Stanford and stuff. And I was going to like whatever state would take me. And um, I regret going to college the way that I went. I don't regret going to college overall, but I regret going the way that I went because I was not, you know, I was one of those guys that did like six years and I did like five majors. You know, yeah, it's like, I've taken a major like eight times. Oh, it's stupid. You know, so people are like, hey, what do you go to school for? I'm like, what year? 
you know, it's yeah, like, it's so silly. And, and so, um, and then ultimately, um, I stopped a few, like 33 credits short, uh, because in 2013, Soul Seed hit the road for good. And we were just going to go on a tour and see what happens. And 10 years later, we're still doing it. So again, blessing. And it happened for a reason. And I'm stoked on it. But like, why did I go to school for six years and kind of just rack up bills and everything else? I mean, like one of the biggest accomplishments in my life was paying off my student loans. The fact that I'm one of the few people my age in their mid thirties that doesn't have thousands of dollars in student loans is a super win. So whenever I'm feeling down, I think about that. I'm like, man, I could be down -er," you know, but it's really interesting when people our age and now look, I mean, I've got a high schooler who's crushing it. She's fucking phenomenal, way better than mom and dad in school. And I'm so proud of her, but now she's thinking about college and it's like, we encourage her, but I have not, I've been so careful to not be like, you must go to school. You must go to these schools. Like, oh, you want to go to that one? Eh, what about this one? You know, it's like, we're not doing that at all. It's like, yo, if you get into somewhere that's, that's above pay grade, I will make it happen because it's your dream, you know? And I just want to be conscious of that, that this is her story. This is not my story. All we can do is react to what mom and I did growing up and turn it into the parental side of things and try to encourage and and influence best that we can, but be careful. And I think what a lot of parents do, and not necessarily consciously always, your mom is looking out for the best of you, right? I mean, coming from Kenya and doing what she did is phenomenal just to get here, just to just to have you being successful in any realm. Now to go to college, it's a huge deal. And I commend her for that. And and the pressures of immigrant families coming over here is just so immense. And I really commend her for doing that. And I just really want to make sure that we're setting the example of you know, do what you got to do. And we're here to support you best you can. And I won't let you sink, you know, but I'm also not going to swim for you. You know what I mean? And And I I think that's kind of my dad's approach, which was really inviting. I mean, if I wasn't feeling very good about a class or something, I felt super open calling my dad and being like, I don't know if this is for me. Love that. And then we talk about it. It was really cool. I remember being in my car at the Lane Community College parking lot calling him even though he was at work and just being like I just needed to talk to you right now because I I'm just not sure if this is for me you know and he's like take a term off girl and I was like I can take a term off like I needed to hear that from him that's so awesome so was it so uh was your mom or is your mom more the 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 stickler you know the driver um and and dad is uh, you know, was kind of more of that, you know, supportive wing of you're feeling down. Cause, cause it's, it's reverse for me. Uh, my mom is that person that I can, and I love both my parents equally, but my mom is definitely that person that like, I'm feeling down or I'm like, mom, I'm really like, I'm, I'm not doing well. Something like something's off. My chi is out. Like I've made some bad decisions or, or life's coming at me hard. Like what the hell am I going to do? I call my mom. And we have like a reasonable conversation. She picks me back up. And then I talk to dad for the kick in the ass. You know what I mean? Like, is it, (laughs) is it similar for you, but reversed? Is that what I'm picking up? Totally reversed. I mean, think about it. My parents had two different, totally different backgrounds. My mom, Kenyan, she comes from a Muslim um, culture. And my dad was a white, he's American. He had a degree in sociology 
Where's he from? Where your dad from? My dad. Yeah, where do you grow up? LA. LA, okay. Good. Alhambra. Okay. Went to Alhambra High. So that area. Um, so that's my other home besides Eugene is mm-hmm. Pasadena, California. Um, I love it down there. But anyway, yeah. That's my chair, by the way, everybody. Um, um, but yeah, really my parents had two totally different backgrounds and my mom came from a background of you say it how it is. You don't leave anything out. You, you're not doing good unless you're really doing good. And she like really, I think thrived off of that. And my dad was like the total opposite. My dad was like, I love you no matter what, like (laughs) whatever. Um, It was actually really interesting growing up too, because my mom's Muslim and then my dad was like atheist. And so my mom would use this tactic of tactic of fear, kind of like, don't do this or this is going to happen. And my dad would be like, if you do this, it's going to be bad. (laughs) And it was like so much more relatable for me. I'm never going to forget like, when I was like in, in middle school or something and my mom was like, if you have sex before marriage, you'll go to hell. And one day I was driving with my dad. I, we used to pick him up because my sister, my dad and I always to share a car and I picked him up from work one day and he was like, Samira, let me tell you something. I just want to let you know, I wouldn't have a job without drugs and alcohol. So if you ever decide that you're going to drink, just call me. I get it. I'm down to pick you up. I don't care. I get it. And also, if you decide to have sex, be safe because it's either going to be, you know, a few moments of pleasure. What did he say? He said, a few moments of pleasure is not worth not being safe about it. Something like that. Um, And it was like, oh, what the hell is pleasure? Like, I just didn't get it. And I was like, okay, well, I believe him because he doesn't seem to lie to me anyway. But I never believed my what my mom said because I wasn't of the same, I wasn't religious. So it wasn't something that I was like really taking to heart, something I could relate with. Um, but my dad was relatable to me because he was real. I mean, yeah. Yeah. no offense to anybody, but it felt, more real when my dad would propose these things to me that had to do with what my experience could be at this life rather than what would happen after my life. That is so, oh man, your dad was a wonderful person. Yo, I, here's the, here's the thing. (laughs) So again, we have the same, obviously different situations, very similar parenting styles, but reversed, right? Your mom is my dad and my dad or my mom is your dad, your dad kind of a thing. But it was the same thing. Like I could talk to my dad. He wouldn't shut me down or like, you know, none of this going to hell. We were, I don't know about atheists, but my mom is extremely spiritual. Like, like talk to the universe. Karma runs everything spiritual. My dad was like, I had to wear a suit every day when I was a kid to go to Catholic school so I stopped doing that when I was 13 and I will never, ever, ever go to church again. You won't either. You know, it was one of those things. So I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. So it was interesting growing up because my mom would always kind of, again, put it out to the universe, like do the right things, the right things will happen to you, blah, blah. And my dad was just like, look, dude, if you screw up, you're going to get your ass kicked. Like it's black and white, you know? 
There's no middle ground. It was like it's either wrong or it's right. If you do something wrong, you're going to have consequences. If you do something right, you'll be rewarded. And my mom was all gray area, you know, and it was just very interesting to have that dynamic, which it sounds like you did as well. And as I grow into my own person, you know, um, and now, you know, I'm raising a family and things, I, I think of the same things. And I think it's so important that you take as much of each of those people, which I'm sure you do, um, as their child, you take as much of each of them as you possibly can. Like, I feel like I'm really 50, 50, my mom and my dad. And, and I think like the dad side and soul seed calls me dad, because when I turn on like the business side of things, like, all right, guys, we got shit to do. Like, yes, we're going to have fun and party on stage, but there's, you know, 21 other hours in the day that we need to get something done. And when I turn that on in my head, like I become my dad, you know, and then when it's like lovey-dovey, pick people up when they're feeling down, having an open ear, a shoulder to cry on, you know, big bear hugs when people need them, you know, encouraging, big smile, inviting, that's my mom. And I think it's so important that you kind of have as much like dynamic within yourself as well because you don't want to be too hard or too soft. And I think that like it's it's been really important for me to navigate that as as best that I possibly can. And and uh it's just it's so interesting. Again, you and I have known each other for for quite a while now and and we've spent a lot of time together, but primarily strictly in the music world. And that's what I am, am loving about this podcast. And that's exactly why we started this because it's the conversations. And it, you know, I didn't think in for one moment you and I would have similar stories like this. It's just funny that it's coming out like that. <laughs> but it's really interesting. Um because I, I feel like it'll come out more often than not when I have these conversations. And I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to, to bounce things off of each other like that and, and, you know, ever grow forward. So I appreciate it. And it's been, it's been amazing to have you share the story of your parents. And again, you know, kudos to your mom. I mean, you know, doing what she's got to do to, to provide for the family and your dad as well. I mean, look, coming out from LA, I mean, I grew up in the Bay area, so I'm, six hours north, but I've spent, in my opinion, too much time in Los Angeles. Uh, it's not not really for me, but, um, you know, the LA lifestyle is is its own beast uh, as well. So well, to yeah. add on to that, he um, actually went straight to Vietnam after graduating high school and um, became a medic in the army there. Mm. He was actually a chief medic officer. Wow. And um, then he came back and he ended up traveling the world, which is how he met my mom. It's an incredible story. And where he got onto a bus, it was, I think he was kind of late. I actually have his journal now so I can read it. And um, there was one seat left and it was next to my mom. Oh. And they met. And um, it's pretty incredible. But he um, ended up, after going to the army, coming back, um, going to Cal State LA, hmm. getting a degree in sociology and then uh, doing some social work and then realizing, you know, maybe I should do nursing because I love to travel. So he got a degree in nursing and became an ICU nurse. And then he would take many months at a time to go travel the world. And um, yeah, so very, very well. I mean, he was such a like, peace and love hippie guy on Venice beach. That mm-hmm. was like his growing up, you know, if he talks about LA, that's like what it is. Or 
uh, sneaking into a Anaheim game with his friends. Nice. Growing up. Yeah. <laughs> he had some great stories and one of his best friends actually lives here in the area. So we stay in touch. We go to cool. football games together. Good. My dad was a huge sports dude. So that was kind of like his excuse to travel after he retired was Man. he followed the ducks and went to all their away football games and had season tickets most of my life growing up. And now I'm hoping to score those. Um, <laughs> season didn't happen. So we got paid back for them, but I'm like, Oh, I might as well just take my dad's season tickets. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, that was a big part of my life, but in going to the football games, we'd also see other parts of the country. And one of the last places that I went to with him was actually the Michigan state game in 2015. I think it was where we ended up going over to the Detroit jazz festival. Oh, wow. Oh, so you went to Michigan to see the game. So Michigan state is in East Lansing, correct? Yeah, it's amazing. Okay. Awesome. Go ahead. You're good. Um, yeah, football or sports in general is kind of my thing. Don't don't get me carried away on sports, please. Go ahead. Very cool. <laughs> they have bomb dairy. It was like we had chocolate cheese. I was we walked into this place on campus and I was like, Dad, they have your two favorite things, chocolate cheese. And he's like, Why did you tell me that? No, I have to get it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really awesome. Cool. So you went yeah. to the, the Detroit uh Detroit Jazz Fest as well. Is that what you said? Yeah, we went to the Detroit Jazz Fest. Saw Pat Metheny. Um, wow. It was actually all free, too, which I cool. thought was pretty cool. Beautiful. Let's walk in. Um, and there were incredible, I'm pretty sure Ron Carter was playing bass for one of the trios. And he's like really up there now. Mm-hmm. And he killed it. It was amazing. And um, that was right after I had started playing music. It was literally the summer I started playing music and had um, just finished. I think two terms of jazz combos over at Lane Community College when I was just learning about jazz. So what so like what year what year is that roughly? Just to paint a picture. 2015. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So what is that six years ago now? <laughs> Happens quick, huh? <laughs> wow. <But> yeah. <laughs> that was really cool. And um one of the most I mean, it was one of my favorite trips I definitely have taken, but basically because of like how I was just getting into music and now I'm going to this jazz festival. So that was really cool. And that's amazing. Also with my dad, who we ended up going to a few MLB games guys. So you're probably into that. We went to see the Cleveland Tigers. I think they're called Cleveland Indians. Oh, Cleveland. Indians. But uh, Detroit Tigers, probably Detroit Tigers. We went to, and then we also went to the team in Pennsylvania, uh, Philadelphia Phillies or Pittsburgh pirates. I think we went to the Pittsburgh pirates. Beautiful. Yeah, because we went to Pittsburgh. So, yeah, we went to the Pirates. So, like, we went to the football game, went to the Jazz Festival, <gasps> the three baseball games. I wish I was on that trip. That's literally what I want to do, Samira. Straight up, do that's it. what I want to do. I want to travel. I want to see super dope, amazing music festivals. And then I want to go to baseball games and football games. One of my dreams, straight up since I was a little bitty kid, is to, is to go to all of the baseball stadiums in the country. That was my dad's dream. I, and, oh man, I, I wish I got more time with your dad. And the more that you talk about him, I'm just like, dude, that's my homie. That's what's you like. guys would have been best friends. <laughs> so oh, that's awesome. Which MLB stadiums have you been to? Oh, man. Um Boy, I've been qu- quite a few. Some of my favorites. So I grew up, again, I grew up in the Bay Area. So Candlestick, 
Candlestick, which is the old Giant Stadium, is where I where I grew up going to games. And then it became AT and T, Pac Bell Park, whatever. So the new Giant Stadium for sure. Uh, the LA Dodger Stadium, um, Wrigley Field's got to be my favorite that I've been to though. Um, Wrigley Field in Chicago, where the Cubs play, is just a phenomenal stadium. It's historical. You know, it's I mean, the franchise has been there for you know 110 years. Um, they have the ivy. It's real ivy that grows out on a brick wall out on the uh, on the um, outfield wall. They also, you know, if people can hit a home run that far, they can actually hit it onto Waveland Avenue, which is a legit street that drives by outside of the stadium and stuff. People have posted up stadium chairs on the roof across the street so that you can actually like sit up on the street across the street on a roof and look down into the the stadium and stuff. And so that, that's, that's kind of my jam, but um, there's a few others historic ones. I haven't been to yet. Fenway park where the Red Sox play is a big one. Um, I wish I made old Yankee stadium again, just the history. I've been to Fenway. Yeah. It's amazing. The big, the big wall. And I haven't been to Wrigley. So we're, yeah, it's even, beautiful. There. we're even, we're even. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I really, uh, I really wish I got more time with the deck. Cause it's just um, again, music, sports, that's my jam. And and you mentioned, I mean, let's talk about some of your your musical background and and really kind of what brought us together ultimately. Um is your time with Soul Vibe, Soul Vibrator. Um but your you know, your love for music started before that. So kind of take me from I mean, were you singing as a younger person in the living room doing the thing as a kid? Did you have any formal for yeah, formal training? Um how did you kind of get started? singing specifically because that's what i know you as and then if you play other uh instruments and things how you got that going as well and then take me yeah, from so, how you started soul vibes and then let's get into sage yeah. croaks i'm fired up on that um so i definitely have like i don't know how it started we listened to a lot of whitney houston growing up and i picked up on her music would sing it at the top of my lungs my mom bumped whitney houston i love me some whitney go ahead Right? Soul Vibrator does a cover now, and I'm so stoked about it. But um, I just sang. I, I mean, probably I remember being in first or second grade and having a little band with my sister and our best friend, Kayla. And we were called LBL because it was like the initials of our last names. And my sister and I have the same last names. So it was LBL. And um, I would write all the songs and we'd perform them every time Kayla's parents came to pick her up or something. It was like so ridiculous, but I was always like the lead, you know, I was always like you guys over there. And obviously, front. and <laughs> it was just like, so now that I think about it, classic me, but uh, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> front woman vibes. Yeah. But yeah, basically that was like what I used to do all the time. And, um, then I, I'd say that for as long as I can remember, I've been busting out into song. My mom does it all the time. She's my mom's a great singer. I think that she's fantastic. I remember awesome. being taking swim lessons when I was really young at Sheldon pool and my mom singing in the, while she was like getting me dressed and people are just saying, you have an amazing voice. And um, that's awesome. It's great. I love singing with my mom too. Like it is so fun. But have you ever done any formal uh, recording or performances with your mom? No, my mom does not think she's a good singer. So that's classic. 
I know. Isn't that classic? So many people just like, oh, not me. And you're like, excuse me? Like, <laughs> let me be the judge of that. Okay, mom. Jeez. <laughs> Yes, stop. You're amazing. Just sing, all right? She's amazing. She's amazing all around. But, like, yeah. that is something that is, like, we love to drive and listen to music and we sing. And mm. it's great. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so I've always written lyrics and sang. And then probably, I mean, I remember being in like fourth grade or something, learning that song, my country tis of thee. And I remember loving to sing. And I was like, okay, I love to sing. And, you know, that was hard for my mom. She didn't want me to grow up thinking I was just going to be a singer because that was like not what she like really valued at the time. And I really don't want to like act like my mom's a bad person. She's my best friend. But like, it was de definitely a culture thing growing mm -hmm. up. Like yeah. the culture change or the culture thing was like really rough for both of us because, um, you know, that was very unnatural. It wasn't what she had dreamed of. I have right. so many dreams of what it's going to be like when I have a kid. And now I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I need to remember what happened to my mom. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, at this point now that I'm, the age that I am and she's the age she is like we just are so over all of that and yeah. we're literally like I probably talked to her like four times today and then went over to her house that's so, awesome. like she's my number one person literally so you and I have been trying to, to link this up and we've been very busy obviously to get this get this uh, uh interview going on and stuff in the recording we've talked what three or four times probably to set this up literally every single time I talk to you it's something with i'm either on my way to my mom's i'm skiing with my mom i'm talking to my mom I'm, and you know what that is um such an incredible blessing that you have that your mom is close and that you can see her and talk to her often my parents are four hours away in northern california and it's only four hours but with the pandemic and everything else going on it's just like i can't just scoot down there and see him and it's like it's literally you know, it's only four hours and, and it really, my life for 10 years was driving eight hours a day. So really a four hour drive to see my parents is not a big deal, mm -hmm. but it's so much more weight now because they're not my, my, um, mother-in-law is in town here, which is great. So we see her pretty often, but my parents are not. And I, you know, haven't seen them in a year and a half basically. And it's like, I talk to them often and we're close and everything else, but it's wild. Like it, right. not to jump back on the quarantine that. train, but it's just like that stuff has been some of the hardest to deal with. I've gotten used to everything else. I've gotten used to being home. I've gotten used to not having a job. I've gotten used to not hugging anybody for a year and a half. Yeah. I've gotten used to not having friends. Like that's all okay for me. <laughs> like not being able to see my parents when I just want to is, um, it's really tough. It's been really tough. So I'm, right. I'm glad I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you that, that you have that opportunity with your mom. Yeah. And I, I mean, I extra value that now that my dad is gone, but even Absolutely. before, before my dad was gone, my parents, I mean, they, they're both like, I get in my car and I put on my AirPods and I either call mom or I call dad. That's and, awesome. That's um, awesome. I don't know. We just have such a like friendly relationship. I do with both of them. They're my best friends and I'm theirs. And I remember my dad, I like was looking for our messages and he would tell me literally everything. 
And then he'd be like, is this appropriate? Maybe I shouldn't be talking to my daughter, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, if you can't talk to me, then you shouldn't be talking to anyone else, man. <laughs> yeah, pops, I got you. I got you, pops. It's cool. You're, you're secret safe with me. That's, yeah. that's good. Yeah, my mom and I are like that too. I mean, I could, I'm going to go on a little tangent here, but I was, I've always kind of been bossy, maybe you could say, but maybe a little bit of a know-it-all. I need to learn how to like back off a little bit on that. But I, um, probably the last few years have felt a lot more open about maybe talking to my parents about things that worry me or I have concerns about. And I would say that probably for the last year of my dad's life, I was really on his case a ton. The poor guy, he was getting a new car. My dad was like in his 70s, 74. And I was like, listen, dad, stoked for you to get a new car. Not going to lie. I think that you should get the car with all the bells and whistles because you're getting up there. And his yeah. argument was like, I've been driving for over 40 years, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Um, anyway, my dad had an incident with his car. The only person he told was me. And it's really interesting because I'm the one that said I have concerns. I'm the one that said, listen to me before you hear from the insurance agent. But then he only told me about what happened with him and his car. Isn't that interesting how that goes? That, that again, coming back to the theme here of the, the conversation is the cyclical nature of things. Isn't it interesting? The older that we get, you know, you're, you know, we're, we're within five years or so of, of each other. And yeah, um, it's really interesting to now, like I've been doing that with my mom recently as well. Like my mom calls me for advice. She's like, hey, Sky, I got this thing. You know, my parents are retired. They live in the country. Like, they stay away from people on purpose. But they still got, like, life stuff. And my mom's like, hey, I got this thing. And, like, I can't talk to your father about it. Like, blah, blah, blah. you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to talk to you. And I'm like, okay, like, what's up? And it's crazy because, like, of course, I go to my mom for advice. But it's almost more often these days that she comes to me. And just as you said, and I'm going to be a little bit more intense about it, I'm, like, no bullshit with my mom. I'm like, first of all, Ma, nobody's getting any younger, okay? Yeah. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, you've worked your ass off to provide for us kids and dad, and they live in a huge, beautiful piece of property. Like, you've worked your ass off to provide for every, everybody but yourself. Like, go do stuff. If you want to travel, you want to go see a show, you want to eat ice cream for dinner, like, it's okay. Yeah. You know, you want to yeah. get another couple of chickens for the ranch or buy plants for the house, like, do it. It's okay to do. And she almost like, it's interesting because I'm realizing she needs permission. You know, it's weird. It's like she needs permission, not from somebody, but it's like somebody needs to tell her it's okay that she does things for herself, that she's okay. And it's almost like your dad with the car situation. It's like, oh God, who am I going to talk to? Like, you know, you know, Samira will keep it, keep it locked and I can trust her. It's almost like, well, Sky, I can talk to Sky about things and he's going to give me, he's going to shoot straight, but he's also going to like, you know, tell me how it is. And there's been a couple of times recently, even during the pandemic and stuff, she does home health and animal, um, animal watching and things like that for people in the country. And she's had some interesting situations and, and she's like, Oh, sky, I got this. And this, I'm like, ma, you, you know, you're, you're undercutting yourself. You're not charging people enough or people are taking advantage of you or, you know, like you can't do that. You're too nice to not be 
you know, a hard ass. Sometimes people will take advantage of you. And it took time after time after time of her doing that to realize finally, she called me the other day and was like, sky, I just want to say thank you for, you know, theoretically slapping me around a little bit and kind of being like, Hey, like, you know, put me in my place a little and, and made me stick up for myself. I finally did it. It was terrible. My stomach was in knots. I felt horrible. And after I did it, I felt like I had my own power for the first time and maybe ever, you know, she's 60 and I'm like, ma, like that is what's up. You know, you don't need to be a mean, rude person to, to be, um, in charge of, of, of your, your own power, you know? And I think once, you know, I have those conversations with her, it reflects back onto myself. So now all of a sudden, now I'm thinking about her for my own situations, right? Like each one, teach one, you know, I teach somebody something, it comes back on myself and it's been a very interesting relationship. Um, and I'm glad we're sharing this because I don't talk about this very often with my family because I just don't. And um, again, we have a lot of similarities in very different life situations, you and I. Um, but it's been interesting to bring this up with you because, you know, I think, again, our, our folks are very the same. And it's uh, it's interesting to talk to somebody that can can relate. Super relatable. I mean, uh, when when I think about this stuff, I think about integrity and what does that mean? 100%. Feeling confident with your own choice and you know not really caring what happened what someone else thinks or feels or whatever just kind of living for yourself which is really hard to do so hard I mean I can't imagine feeling like or like taking care of other people for a majority of my life or a good portion of my life and now what do I do same good for your mom I love that you guys have that connection yeah and I'd say my mom and I have that too and it's really great I mean I feel super good about that that's awesome well I'm, I'm happy I'm happy for you as well and I'm I'm stoked that your dad and you got to get those travels in um yeah. something I haven't done with my parents yet you know my dad just worked you know, you know, basically 24 seven, my entire life still does, you know, he's programmed. He wakes up with the sun. He goes to bed with the sun. He works all day long. I mean, he's just an absolute machine. Um, and we wouldn't have what we have without him. So I, I'm just so thankful, but he's just, he's a cut from an old cloth. I'll put it that way. They don't make him like, yeah. like him anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and my mom worked her ass off too. And the same thing. Uh, but now she's at the point of her life where she's like, you know what? it'd be kind of cool to like go to Oregon and see sky or go to, you know, my brother still lives in central California. So go down and see Riley or, you know, we, um, we brought her up here for a concert before the pandemic two years ago. And she's seen a bunch of soul seed shows of course and stuff, but I have a big, uh, she, I know she listens to these podcasts. So I'm not going to spill the beans, but I have a, a super fun plan for her on one of her upcoming birthdays that I've been working on for a few years, actually. So it'll be fun. But but really what I want to do is I want to travel because I've had the the absolute blessing, privilege, honor, you know, all these terms to travel. And I never would have without Soul Seed. And I fell into it. And now that I've been to, you know, almost every state in the entire country, including Hawaii and all these cities and met people from all over the world because of this, um, it's just been, it's absolutely changed my life. And I would just, I've grown more in the last five or seven years than the previous 25. I mean, no doubt about it. Um, and, and so much of that has been traveling, being uncomfortable, you know, being out of my comfort zone, talking to strangers literally all the time. Um, 
and putting yourself out there and just like, hey, this is me as vulnerable as I could possibly be for three or four hours a night, take it or leave it. And uh, thankfully, for the most part, it's been positive reception. But I do want to talk more about your your music, your musical situation. So you grow up, you're singing, uh, you know, LBL, making fire hits, right? So it's basically, it's basically yeah. like Destiny's Child, LBL, right? That's what I'm picking up. So you're making fire hits and then you get uh, get through through high school and you're in Eugene, you're in college and you meet the guys. So take me through meeting and connecting with Soul Vibes and then jump into Sage Grow. So Soul Vibrator, like literally the love of my life, love Soul Vibrator. Um, I actually had been in like a relationship and going to school and then we broke up. And he moved away. And I had a friend who did jazz combos at Lane. And he was like, Samira, you need to do jazz combos. And I was like, what am I going to do in jazz combos? And he's like, we need more singers. So, okay, sure, I'll sign up. So I signed up. First day of class, uh, we like all sat in a circle, talked about like our instruments, what we did. And this one guy was like, oh, I'm a piano player, blah, blah, blah. And I told my friend Kirk, I was like, Kirk, who's that guy? He's like, I don't know piano player and I was like I need to know who he is I have like this weird attraction to him like I need to know him and he's like you're so weird Samira <laughs> and I remember like calling one of my friends after that class Monica and I was like oh my gosh there's this guy in my class the weirdest thing happened to me when he spoke like I felt like this need to get to know him and she's like oh that's interesting. And I was like, but don't worry, I'm going to make it happen because I've got game. Anyway, long story short, he ended up being in my combo playing the drums. And I liked this guy so much. And I was like, oh my gosh, I really like him. And I saw all these posters for this band called Soul Vibrator. And I was like, I'm going to go to one of those, those um, concerts because some of the people in my jazz combos class were in it. I was like, maybe the guy I like will be there. And I had finally learned his name after we were in a combo together and it was Alex. And so I was like, okay, maybe Alex will be at one of their shows. And so I started going to like all their shows and I was like, dang, this guy does not go to any of their shows, but their shows are really good. So I'm going to keep going. And it was like spring break, the term was over and I went to the big trampoline park with some friends and after we were jumping around we were like what should we do now and I was like well it's spring break um I have the next five days off was a barista at Starbucks at the time and um I was like soul vibrators playing in Florence I think I'd be down to go and one of my friends was like I'll go with you and I was like okay cool so the concert had already started we're in Eugene I'm like whatever let's go it's spring break and um we go out there and the concert's going on. They take a break. My friend tells me, you know, I'm not really feeling it. I want to go back to Eugene. And I was like, yo, I have the next five days off. I kind of knew one of the people there. And I was like, I'm going to see if I can just like. You're like, I am feeling it. So. You what? You're, you're, you're telling your friend. You're like, well, I am feeling it. So yeah, I think I'm going to hang. And so I asked. of the band if I could like hang with them and he was like you're gonna have to ask Brayden he's the guitar player and we're all staying at his parents condo and I was like okay so 
during the break, I walked up to Brayden and was like, hey, nice music. Love you guys. And he was like, cool, thanks. And I was like, I'm Samira. Can I like go on the rest of your tour with you guys? I don't like, I was like, can I crash with you? That's what happened. And he was like, yeah, sure. I was like, okay. So then I ended up meeting the whole band and like hanging out with them, listening to their music. Uh, we went back to Braden's parents' condo. I slept on the floor in some random place. And in the morning, it was like 6 a.m. I woke up so early. I was like, shoot, I got to call my dad. So I called my dad. I'm like, hey, dad, just want to let you know, I don't have my car with me, but I'm out in Florence with a bunch of guys that I don't really know that well. They're all in a band. And um, I think I'm just going to go on the rest of their tour with them, which I think is up the rest of the Oregon coast. And he was like, yeah, girl, live it up. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> he was like, that like, wait, wait, wait. Are you concerned? Like, let's, let's, let's be concerned first and then <laughs> support. Like, That's awesome. Like, I don't remember him being concerned whatsoever. That's so Even funny. Like, Thanks for letting me know. That is so cool. I hope you have a great time. <laughs> God, classic. I know, it was so classic, my dad. And my mom was in Kenya at the time. So it was like, okay, I don't have to tell her because she would have a heart attack. And then um, went on the rest of their tour with them. We jammed on the beach. Um, lead singer and guitarist Zev was like going out of town for the next couple shows. And I guess that they had a meeting and decided like maybe Samira should play with us. Whoa. And learn Zev's parts. And they came to me with this. Um, oh, yeah. I also want to add, since my mom was in Kenya, I had her SUV and I was driving it a lot. And they all like were taking several cars to gigs. And I was like, yo, you guys, I have an SUV. Let me drive you around. So and so like that was another thing that I did a lot. And like we played at fair. Well, they played at fair and I ended up being able to go and stuff because I was like driving them all the time. So that was like my first country fair too. I love yeah. that. That's such a cool, such a cool story. And they knew that you sang because of the the group that half of them were in. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, some of them were in jazz combos. So like they had seen me, but I didn't actually know them yet. So it's kind of funny because I went there hoping, I went to their concerts hoping to run into Alex. And then he was never there, but I ended up really digging the music. And then going to their shows anyway. And then, yeah, that was, that was like the beginning of Soul Vibrator for me. That's so awesome. And of course, you know, Soul Vibes then, you know, fast forward. I mean, Soul Vibes becomes one of the biggest bands in Eugene. And you guys are playing alongside us, uh, uh, you know, uh, specifically, you know, I ended up working with, well, Chuck became, you know, my little brother and um, Brayden too early on and, worked closely with the guys to book them shows and help them kind of, you know, get in around town and get in on some bigger shows. And I remember um, now it's an annual thing that both of us, obviously outside of quarantine, uh, both of us play um, at the hot Valley stage for the Whitaker block party. So anybody in Eugene that's aware with the Whitaker block party, we play at hot Valley. And uh, basically a few years ago, I was like, yo, we got to get soul vibes to, to play before soul seed. I mean, they're going to get it. it they're going to get it cracking and we can vibe off of that energy. <laughs> and sure enough, that's, that's what we did. So that's awesome. And um, you know, they've obviously branched off to do many other kind of side projects and also, you know, funk nights and Eugene and things like that. And that's kind of maybe its own podcast that I'll, I'll have with Chuck on a bunch of that stuff. But I'm so glad that, that, 
that connection was made because, you know, I think that they had a really great thing going on. You added such a, a dynamic presence um, when you became part of the the group. And it's not just your singing, it's your, it's your stage energy. You know, again, like a lot of people talk to me about shows and I'm the didgeridoo keyboard guy, uh, you know, rapper and stuff like that. But a lot of people are like, dude, your stage energy yeah. is is like it adds so much to the thing and it's so funny because like when i watch videos like i get it i I watch it and i'm like oh wow like i'm you know i am extra hyped but in the moment and maybe you feel like this in the moment i never think to myself like okay bring the energy like harness the power and (laughs) and you know like you know power rangers this out to the crowd like that's never what happens it just it you transform when you're on stage you know, quite a bit. And right. I've, I've watched you over the years do that. And you did it, you know, with, with us, which we'll get to in a second, but um, I'm just so, I'm so glad. And that the serendipity of the connection with you chasing down Alex, <laughs> but finding soul vibes, jumping on the bus, providing the bus, and then becoming an integral part, you know, front person of, of one of the biggest bands in Eugene. Um and a big part of the college music scene is, is huge. So, you know, well done. And I'm, I'm really proud of you for doing that. And that has obviously blossomed into another project as well. Yeah. So, um, basically from working with soul vibrator, I got really established into the music scene and met Shay Hardy, who puts on the Mardi Gras every year in Eugene. Shouts out to Shay. Big up. Incredible studio five for one. She's, owns and operates and asked me to be a part of the studio five for one band that she was putting together for tokes and treats which soul vibrator also played at in 2019 and so we got this big band together a bunch of incredible musicians and um we played this what i thought was a pretty amazing show the music i feel like like the way that we all wrote it and i mean they had kind of had um sage crow was um has been around for a while but then we had studio five for one which was a bunch of sage pro members and then extras and now um we've kind of walked it down to another group of like i think nine of us or something which is now called sage pro the flock and that's like another project of mine that I'm doing that I really love because I get to work with musicians that I don't feel qualified to work with. I mean, it's just like incredible. I'm so inspired by each and every one of them. It's awesome. The lineup is insane. That group is so incredibly talented. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And like, it's just like opened up a whole new thing for me because something that's always been a part of me is like improv. Like I'm a very, I love improv. That's where I met my best friend, Monica at Lane Community College and our improv class. But musical improv is like a big thing for me. I'm the kind of person that like, I just come up with lyrics sitting there and then remember them or record myself and it becomes a song. And like disclosure, I didn't, (laughs) I didn't, um, mentioned this earlier, but like that guy, Alex, that I had a huge crush on back in jazz school. We've now been together for over five years. He's my partner. Got and, him. Uh, he's an incredible musician. And he is like, really, like people see me on stage. I've got a lot of energy. 
yada, yada. But like, I feel like I have so much support from him to like lock things down and to like really learn things. He's like super musical music theory. He's um, got all of that down. And I really uh, like, I'm not saying that it's awful, but I don't. And um, so he practices with me. He practices with me with Soul Vibrator, with Sage Crow, with um, stuff that I've done with Play-Doh and Max and like anyone else that, I mean, I'm trying to think of, but when I, when I do projects, like he is like in the background of almost every single one. That's really special. Helping me with rhythm, helping me with um, sound, helping me. I mean, he plays keys and um, coming up with ideas. I mean, I'm so freaking grateful. But um, yeah, so anyway, Sage Pro has been super cool. I'm really, really excited to see where we go with that. I've been able to do more improv with writing our songs with them than I probably have with Soul Vibrator. And a big part of that is I don't really know what my creativity is yet. Like I have a lot of like gospel soul within me. I think that's what I really bring to Soul Vibrator. The boys are freaking incredible. Like they write so many of the lyrics, so much of the music, and I learn a lot of it. And I like to say that like, it's just kind of like the icing on the cake, the cherry on top, like, this is cool. They've got it all together. They've got it all figured out. And then they fill me in on it. And I actually like that a lot. But with Sage Crow, I've been able to do a lot more improv with things. Nice. And you get to find, you get to find your voice. That's yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. That's hard to, it's hard to do too. I mean, my previous group before, Soul Seed was simplistic here in town. Um, and I was 19, 20, 21 in that group. And I was the front MC, the only lyricist. And I was just rapping for three hours straight every night because I didn't know you took breaks. Um, and then I met Soul Seed and Soul Seed became like a band band, you know, and simplistic. Like we played music and made, I thought some great songs, but Soul Seed then became like the actual band that, you know, you hear about and you aspire to be. And we started touring and playing with people and, you know, opening up the stage to other musicians like Soul Vibes early on. Um, Max and Plato, as you mentioned as well, a lot of these Eugene names. And I don't want to get too much into Eugene connection just because we have a lot of people listening who have no idea. But I do want to give a shout out to this lineup in Sage Crow, The Flock. Again, Sage Crow has been around a while. Sage Crow, The Flock is the kind of current edition. Right. Um, and uh, I know that you want to give a, a shout out to to a special individual. So um, Michael K, who's been an incredible uh, contributor to the Eugene music scene in many realms, um, is is uh, one of the lead MCs. Rati, M5, Matt Calkins, Sage, Dorian, Ben, Jora, and John. Um, Soul Seeds played with pretty much each of those musicians, Matt Calkins specifically quite a bit. He's played with us uh, a ton. Uh, and Michael K was putting on some industry nights uh, before the quarantine went down, which I so appreciated because, yeah, because I, I wanted to do that for, for a few years and open it up to like a forum for local musicians. And maybe when things clear up, he and I can connect and, and redo that. But I was also running reggae nights uh, in town, which is a whole other thing, plus doing Soul Seed, plus booking for other bands like putting, you know, Soul Vibrator and, and other groups on tour. So I wasn't able to do the industry nights, but Michael K did those. 
I had a great conversation with Jora one night for like an hour at one of those things. Um, and obviously the rest of those guys have been playing, you know, music in town for forever. Um, love what Marcus is doing, uh, M5. And um, I want you to to take a few minutes here on, on your go, Rati. Oh, yeah, no, Rati D is a huge inspiration to me. Her energy, her rhythm, the way that she can sing and can rap. She's from Zimbabwe. I mean, she's really incredible. And I just feel so lucky to have the friendship that I have with her. Um, actually, kind of a funny story with that one is, so I mentioned earlier that I went to school at the School of Journalism, have a degree in public relations, Did I, that naturally had a lot of graphic design courses. So kind of got an eye for design. I would not say that I'm like, great designer, but I've got an eye for it. And I saw these posters around town that were like Rati D and friends at the Holt Center. And I was like, wow, that girl and I look like we need to be friends. I was like, look at her smile. And like, oh my gosh, I love her. And I was like, but why is she on this kind of a crappy poster? Like, what is this? And so I saw her city of Eugene. So I messaged them and I was like, can I, here, I remade this poster. She needs a better poster. And I sent it to them as a PDF. What? And they responded saying, she makes her own poster. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> You're like classic, so the musician that does all their own artwork, performs all the stuff. Yeah. That's cool. Right. I was like, oh. So then um, I had her name in my head and I work at McKinney Children's Program, which is a nonprofit in town that actually benefits children in McKinney, Kenya. And I, that's kind of a, another thing. Short story there is I got that gig from Zev, who's the lead singer and guitarist and Soul Vibrator's mom is best friends with the executive director at McKinney. And Tracy, Zev's mom and I were talking one day about how I'm like, a um, public relations major and I do I'm really into outreach and stuff and she's like oh my gosh my friend has this nonprofit and needs somebody to work for her and I was like what's the nonprofit?" And she's like something to do with kids in Kenya and I was like I'm Kenyan and that sounds perfect so um I ended up getting that and now Diana is definitely like somebody that I Diana's the executive director there she's like my I feel like Diana's like the type of person I want to be. She, like That's I awesome. love her 100%. Mentor. And love that. The way she lives her life, the kind of parent she is, the kind of friend she is. I just, oh my gosh, I love that lady. And on top of that, she does, a, she does that. So we needed a musician for our auction benefit dinner. And I was like, oh, I'm going to reach out to Rati. And so I did. And Rati agreed to do the gig and I hired her for that. And she saw me at this event. I'm dressed real nice. I'm like working and I pay her and I say, nice to meet you. We should have tea sometime. You should come over for dinner. And I said, actually, I'm a musician too. You should come to one of my shows. And she's like, okay, sure. I'll come to one of your shows. And she comes to one of my shows. And afterwards she's like, what? <laughs> She's like, what? And I was like, what? She's like, that is not what I was expecting. And I was like, why not? She's like, you were all proper. You were so 
clean and you know like so different and then you're like a totally different person getting it yeah (laughs) what a what a cool um strange way to get it but what an honoring uh comment right like (laughs) yeah no I have there's a lot of different sides of me because of that I love that. I love that. And it's so fun to see and meet mentors and musicians like that, where you, you know, I've, I have a few people too, um, that I've connected to like that. And you just straight up see them on stage. You're like, Hey, you're awesome. And I think that my style would mesh with your style. Let's, let's try it out. And, uh, soul seed has been so blessed to have a number of musicians connect with us either vocally or instrumentally or both, uh, producers, whatever. And, um, you also fall into that category and, and you and I had met, you know, quite a ways prior to the connection, but quick, you know, I'll, I'll set it up for you. And, and I'd like to hear your feedback on this. Cause really, I mean, you and I have, and this is 2000, oh boy, 2017, maybe, uh, that we dropped the album. So it had been a while. And, um, we have this song possible obstacles um and we were thinking about the chorus to follow mikey's vocals and mikey had overdubbed us some of his own i think benny maybe give it a try we were trying to do like layering of all of us and i was and somebody i can't remember i don't want to take credit but somebody said man you know a female vocal like it just changes things it's a different energy and we were thinking about it and it kind of immediately we're like samira <laughs> like samira's the one Let's get her in here. And really, it just took a phone call or whatever. and was like, hey, girl, are you down to do this? You're like, yes. So we end up in the studio. Shouts out Tracktown Records here in Eugene. And uh, kind of just take me through first the studio recording the song. And then we have our album release show later on. And you came up and, and performed it live with us for the first time at that point. So um, let's kind of wrap on that for a second, because I know that's a that's a big deal show. That music video of you recording with us is on our YouTube. Possible Obstacles is the song live at Hi-Fi. You can you can catch that for sure. Max actually, Max and Joe Hughes and Braden did the uh, production for that. So shouts out Joe Hughes Media and Max. But um, take me through that really quick, that process of maybe getting the invite in. And again, we knew each other, but hadn't performed together yet. Um, so just kind of take me from, from A to Z on that for, for coming in the studio and then performing with us as well. Okay. So basically I came into the studio after you had asked me to, and I was just like, so shocked that I was invited to do this with Soul Seed. Like I had seen your guys' crowds and I just thought, oh my gosh, I'm about to be a part of this. Like, I cannot believe they chose me. So sweet. it was pretty it was one of those other things where i was like alex listen to this what do you think (laughs) when i get there it's like totally different because that's just normal and um yeah i just remember singing um the chorus and probably the first time and then you came in sky and you were like yeah that was fucking awesome do it again let's let's do it again and I was like yeah let's do it again and because of that energy I was able to like add on some extra stuff on the outro and then you came in and you were like yes that Christina Aguilera shit I was like yes that's what I was going for and I just oh my god I could work with him all day like oh cool well I'm, I'm glad I'm glad uh I'm glad you took it that way because I didn't want to be overbearing and I don't want to coach you on singing. 
Like that's not my jam. I do a lot of other things. I'm not a great singer. I just, I don't see myself as a great singer. I'm like, you're coming in to do that. I trust what you're going to do. So I wasn't even talking about your singing specifically. I was just saying energetically style, whatever. And again, you and I knew each other, but we never worked together formally. And I felt it too, like the mesh in the communication that you and I had, you didn't take anything as criticism. You know, you didn't kind of like, Hey bro, like I know what I'm doing. You know, it was just like, okay, cool. Let me try again. And you tried. uh, And honestly, I don't even think it took that many. I mean, we did a lot of takes because you have a lot of layering, but as far as the style and stuff, like you stuck it pretty quickly. And I was like, that's it. Let's just nail that. Like, like you have it down. Let's nail that. And once we had it down and people can hear it on the album, possible obstacles samira comes in hot especially at the end and you have a little growl in there and like that yeah the the christina aguilera stuff um is awesome because you know you're you're a powerhouse on stage and i think it it came across in the recording which you know from recording is hard to do it's hard to bring the energy you do on stage on a recording and i thought you absolutely nailed it so i'm just so so pumped that it came through that way so i'm glad uh i wasn't overbearing (laughs) no not at all but like you're super right when it comes to performing it's like totally different because you're matching the energy of the crowd but when you're recording you don't want that much energy like it's not going to sound good so um that was something that i've definitely learned over the years but i mean Speaking of crowds, playing with you guys at the um, at the album release party at Sessions, I think it might have been Hi-Fi back it was then. Hi- it was Hi-Fi, yeah. But either yeah. way, Sessions now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> it was so cool. I remember when I heard you calling my name on stage, I was just like, wow, this is so crazy. And actually, after that show, I got a bunch of messages from people who were like, I just saw you playing and oh my God. That's what it's all about. I love that. I love hearing that. That was incredible. And I was like, I'm going to at least try to do this song. And um, I ended up playing with you guys over at Whitaker Block Party, I think Mm -hmm. that same year at Hot Valley Stage. Mm -hmm. My dad was there and I think that's probably where you met him. And Mm -hmm. it was just incredible to like be there with that energy of all the seedstronauts, you know? Awesome. gosh I just thought it was amazing and uh but it was like you know I felt like I really vibed with Benny and Michael and Magic like it just like all felt so comfortable it felt so comfortable well what's so what's so fun about that performance the the uh, album release show so that so first of all it's the only we're the boys and I are going to have a podcast strictly about this night because it was a very special night in soul seed history that'll never happen again because we had just put it was a spark album release show and we decided to play this the album front to back uh per song right so song one and all the way to the end and we never did that after that um and we just won't probably ever again um but having the 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 crowd and the energy in that room, you know, it's about six hundred plus people in that room. Not to mention the artists and the the crew. So, like, I don't know, six fifty maybe in that hall um, when it's sold out. And having your energy and and what I love about that video specifically is when you turn it on. Again, go to YouTube, check out you know Soul Seed Possible Obstacles. You'll see it featuring Samira Lobby, and 
when I call you up, I'm kind of just doing my like, hey, next song, like I'm that guy, right? Like this next song is this one and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't see all this until I watched the video after, but you come on stage and you're kind of, you know, hyping yourself up like, oh, this is going to be dope, you know? And yeah, and I think the, fir the first thing, like I start the song and I think the first thing is like Mikey or Benny, I can't remember, but one of them just immediately gave you like a, a big hug and was just like, you're yeah. good, girl. Like, let's crush this. And yeah. you could see... I don't know about nerves necessarily, but you could see yourself just kind of like, all right, like you yeah. morphed, you could tell it was just like, all right, let's crush. Like yeah. you had the energy transfer right then. And then you just absolutely stuck the performance and it was phenomenal. So I, uh, I think about it often. It's definitely one of our most viewed videos that we have period. Um, when we, when we put that up, I tag you in it all the time, like I said, and people are always coming at us. If they haven't seen it before, they're like, holy shit, who is she? Or if they've seen it before, they're just like, man, Samira absolutely smashed that track. So it's one of our more powerful songs. Um, we're going to do a, hopefully a lyrical breakdown on that. It's, it's a really heavy song, you know, possible obstacles. I mean, it's, everybody has them right now. We just opened up this podcast for 45 minutes talking about the obstacles that you and I have, have come across this year with the quarantine and your father and losing jobs and doing everything else. And that has a number of them as well. And Mikey has a lot of personal things in that song. And you just, you added um, such a proper kind of a, a roar, you know, like an, an energy that that song needed. And then the didge comes in and it's just such a such a heavy song. And, and so I, I really um, thank you and appreciate you for contributing to the song. Uh, but, but the way that you contributed uh, really just, we couldn't have asked for, for anything better. It was outstanding. I mean, that was one thing that made me love this song too, is what it's about. Mm -hmm. And it could be about something different for each person, which just kind of gives everybody like yep. that connection. That's music, right? Yeah. And I mean, that's music, but there's some songs that are like so ridiculous, like Mets Girl at the Club, we're gonna get it on, you know, like, but this was like, damn, the energy, the lyrics, I mean, it's just so well put together and so relatable, and it, it feels good, like you feel the music a lot with that song. So. Well, we'll have to do it again. When things clear up, we will get back on stage. You know, I want to see you as soon as possible. We'll get big hugs when we can. And I can't wait to, to not only perform with you again, but um, watch you perform Sage Crow, the flock soul vibes. We'll get you back up with soul seed. And we have uh, so many more endeavors. We're just getting started. I'm sure yeah. um, this has been an absolutely phenomenal conversation. Samira, I, you and I have been talking again for a couple of weeks, trying to negotiate times and it's just so busy. The world is so uh, uncertain right now, you know, and, and you make plans and then we, we, you know, they fall through and it just, it is what it is. And I'm so glad that we finally got time to do this. I'm really honored to have you on. I've wanted to have a number of these conversations with you for quite a few years, frankly. And, and now we finally have a platform in, in order to do so. And, uh, I look forward to, to following up on this as well, eventually as well. So thank you so much for your time this evening. I do have final five questions that I want to crush out with you and we will get out of here. But before we get into the final five questions or anything else you'd like to, to add about your story, your journey, anything else you'd like to tell the, the Seed Chernot family in general? Um, you know, I would just say for my journey, I'm realizing that it really never ends and the world and life is all about learning and challenging ourselves. We never know it all. And, um, 
you know, being compassionate, being patient. Those are some things I'm really trying to work on reading this book that I hope that some of you have. It's called The Four Agreements. It is changing my life. I mean, it's just like, shoot, I wish I read that 10 years ago. But I know that there's a lot of people who feel that way right now. And then um, another one I recommend is called Chatter. It's by a neuroscientist um, talking about like um, the stories that we tell ourselves. And, um, you know, being a, a woman of color, a small woman in a town that, you know, has... I mean, believes to be very inclusive and everything. I definitely realized that there's some of those things that I have instilled within me, just like a lot of other people. And no matter who you are, what you look like. And um, it feels good to get a grasp on those things to some degree and work through those. So I guess if anything, that's what I want to share. Well, it's fantastic. And I, I would like to, uh, listeners, will you have the... Um... We have those links to both of those book suggestions in the description below. Uh, if you're on the podcast, make sure to check it out on YouTube and you can find those links. And if you're on the YouTube, uh, make sure to just go down below here and hit those two book suggestions by Samira. Uh, Samira, again, it's been an absolute, absolute treasure to have you on, girl. Uh, super supportive of you. We love you. And I wish you nothing but the best. And I know that your your journey uh, with music specifically is is kind of just, it's still ascending, which is so fun. Like I, I can't wait to have this conversation uh, in three years and just see, see what else is growing with you. So I'm happy for it. Final five questions, girls, let's rapid fire on these. So if you, if you, number one, if you were not living your current life as a singer slash performer, again, you're now in, in multiple groups. Uh, what do you believe you would be doing instead? So this is kind of an interesting question today because of the quarantine life and you're not playing as often, but just kind of in general, if you weren't involved in the music scene at all, if that never came to fruition, however you want to think about it, what would you be doing if, if music wasn't a focal point? You know, I believe that I would be a nutritionist. I am so on top of health and lifestyle. I totally love that combination. And I've actually managed my own diseases because of it. Um, no medicine. And I think you. that nutrition, lifestyle, our beautiful earth, our mother earth has everything that we need to heal and survive. Obviously, to some extent, some things are definitely not on that level, but can possibly be prevented if we do do that. So I believe that I would be doing something with nutrition. I absolutely love that. I, uh, you know, Amber, um, my, my better half is a, a, a nutritionist, um, you know, uh, health advisor, and we have battled multiple allergies, um, you know, internal symptoms as well without using medicine. Uh, we choose not to use medicine in our family when we can avoid it. And it's been all food choices. Um, and honestly, <laughs> frankly, like maybe we should just have another podcast strictly about nutrition, uh, because going into, going into this, I, I didn't know that that was, that that was a passion of yours, but it's a passion of mine as well. Again, being a former athlete, I'm way past my prime these days, but I, I used to be very, very, very diligent. And I'm hoping to get back to it. Uh, in 2017, I had a in, intestinal, um, uh, uh, infection, basically an overgrowth of candida, which is, is common, but mine was very bad. And, um, basically I ended up changing my diet 
Uh, I went completely plant-based on the road, mind you, which was very difficult, especially traveling through the South. But I went completely plant-based, sugar-free, alcohol-free, the whole thing um, for eight weeks and uh, kicked the candida. And in the process, I lost 40 pounds and it was healthy 40 pounds. Um, and I frankly want to do it again. Um, but it, it is amazing what what kind of transformations you can make and just the ingestion. I wasn't working out. I wasn't running miles. I wasn't lifting heavy weights. I changed my diet. I dropped sugar. I dropped alcohol. And my my entire body, my being became so much better. So I would love to expand on that in another conversation with you. So so continue on that, that journey. I, I love that. And I'm, I actually have seen some of your posts before about some of that. And so I'm glad to hear that. I actually want to add one more thing though. I, if it, I feel like I would want to do it or I would at least work with elderly people when mm. I was in high school, I was a server at um, a retirement home and I'm still in contact with many of the people that I used to see. I eventually became a activities coordinator, like fill in, I guess, a substitute and I love working with the elderly. I just value them so much and I feel like they need or they deserve better care and attention than they get. I love that. That would be another thing. I love that. That was some of my favorite. Um, I come from a, a huge Italian family uh, and my mom actually has four sets of parents. Not anymore. Unfortunately, all of them are deceased, but my mom was adopted twice um, and she has step parents as well. So, she, So when I was a kid, only on my mom's side, I had four grandma and grandpa oh, and, and my cool. dad as well has two sets of family. So we had a massive family growing up. I have a million cousins. Anyway, growing up with elderly in my family, um, active uh, constantly around me in school when we used to like walk down the street to the old folks home and, and uh, sing them Christmas carols or, or do arts and crafts and whatever. Um, it was uh, some of the most fun I had in school. A, it was a field trip, uh, but B, but B, the the general joy. Like I mean, I even at ten years old, I, I felt like they were my buddies, and the energy that they got from kids. Again, the older I get, the more these kind of you know these situations come to reality for me, um, which is such a blessing. So again, I commend you on that as well. Nutrition and working with the elderly. Uh, you are definitely a a person of of service. I love that. All right. Number two, what are three words or phrases of advice for aspiring female front leaders out there honing their craft, wanting to take the next step? So this could be a musician. This could be an activist. This could be an artist. This could be a business owner. However you want to take this, what are three words or phrases for aspiring female front leaders? Number one, listen to your body. I mean, you're going to be in some situations where, um, I mean, I don't know what all situations will be, but I just think number one role for all people, especially women, is to listen to your body and listen to how you're feeling and not to ignore any of those feelings or thoughts and to speak up. I mean, speak up about how you're feeling, speak up about what your experience is, and then speak up when you see something that you want to do even like it doesn't have to be speak up because something bad is happening but speak up for yourself and um, share your ideas I think one of the things that happens a lot is that we feel intimidated because we're worried that somebody's not going to really think that's so cool but in in reality like be different that's the cool thing 
have something different. If you have something different, you bring it to the table and someone doesn't like it, that's okay. They may not, but eventually you'll find people who do and that's going to be the people you vibe with and the people you should work with. So um, I would say to listen to your body, speak up and don't be afraid to like try that new thing. That's another thing for sure. I love that. And isn't it interesting that growing up as a, as a child trying to fit in, even as a young adult, and still, the reality is everybody wants to belong, whatever it is. So you always are craving others' um, acceptance of you. But at the same time, and I totally agree with you, at the same time, one of my kind of mantras is like, stay in your lane. And those that want to ride with you are going to ride with you. Those that won't are going to go their own direction. And like, it's okay. I think that's what's the difference now between me today and me five years, 10 years ago is I just craved other people's acceptance so much that I would do things to the deficit of myself to gain their appreciation or to gain their acceptance. Now I'm not rude. I'm not like giving the finger to people that don't agree with me or anything like that. I'm just saying, Hey, Samira, you're an adult. I'm an adult. <laughs> We've got a lot of things in common. We have a lot of things not in common and that's right. totally okay. Let's yeah. vibe on the things we have in common. Let's learn from each other. Let's teach each other. And on the other things you don't, you're going to have other people that vibe with you on those other things. And that's how you expand your web and your network. So I really, I really appreciate and, and value those, those three words of advice. Yeah. I mean, coming off of that, another thing I'd add is definitely know your worth. Like mm, that's a hard one. That's super hard, but like we have such a tough time with like feeling like we are worth it. I think I even made a comment saying like I'm in this band with a bunch of musicians. I don't feel like I deserve to be in or something about Sage Crow. And then like at the end of the day, there's probably a reason they asked me to be a part of it. You know, I might bring something else to the table. And that's, I guess, my example of like know your worth to everybody listening. I love that. Absolutely. And and the song quickly for Sage Crow, the flock uh, that I've just seen recently, a live performance of stand up uh, is absolutely fire Four lyricist, incredible band. Rati may or may not be rapping and singing in two different languages. It's absolutely phenomenal. Make sure to check that out. I will also put that in the link below. All right, girl, number three here. How can folks best support what you're working on? So again, whether that's your, uh, your efforts with your nonprofits, whether that's a new endeavor you have, music, whatever it can be. How can the souls, the Soul Seed and Seed Chernot community support what you're working on? So I actually um, am doing a few other things that are on my website. So maybe we can link that. Um, but plug it. I, what what is your website? It's just my name, SamiraLobby.com. Great. And I do uh, moderating and announcing. I do modeling and um, I, what else is on there? Definitely my music stuff. So um, when it comes to any of that, all of it is really community-based. Like I model for local businesses and then um, for local photographers and events. And I'm totally down to do bigger things. And I would say that um, I've also done announcing and moderating and producing some events. Like um, I moderated, or I guess I announced at We Rise, which was one that happened in 2019 in August with Tara Burke, who is amazing. And um, 
I did another one at Hot Mama's Kitchen and Bar with my good friend Angie Marzano, and that was called Rise Together Eugene. And I have done moderating for uh, with the University of Oregon's president, Michael Schill, and Juan Carlos, who's the dean at the School of Journalism. We did a Freedom of Expression roundtable, which was pretty cool to be a part of. I got to make up my own questions for that too. And it was cool to like be able to ask the president of the university <laughs> these questions and like yep. hear his answer. And honestly, I came up with questions sometimes on the spot and it was all recorded and it ended up all being part of it. So um, definitely showing up for our community is like biggest thing that I'd say for people to step up and do. And when I say our community, I mean for our country and I mean for the people that you care about. I mean, for your neighbor in the apartment next door that you have never talked to, but you've lived next to each other for 10 years. I mean, um, we have totally changed as a society to be looking down at our phones or to like add the person on Facebook, but not to like have a conversation with them face to face. I think that that is um, kind of one of the reasons why I really love the elderly too. Like they, they um, know that life. They know the life of connecting. They know the life of sharing stories. They are patient. We are not anymore. And I'm totally guilty of that. Mm. I'm like developing wrist issues from texting so much. So anyway, that's a whole other thing. But basically, I think that for supporting what I'm working towards, don't be afraid to reach out and don't be afraid to reach out to anyone else. Like the worst thing my dad used to always say, the worst thing they can tell you is no. And what's going to happen after that? Well, they said no, so you have to move on. And um, I'm kind of at that place right now. So volunteer, get out and volunteer. um, And then as for me, I'd love to be a part of what you're working on. I'd love to give advice. I'd like to to have a conversation. I have AirPods and I put them on and I do a lot of chores and I go on four mile walks every day. So connect. That's, that's what I'd say. I love that. Absolutely love that. And you're such a, such a joy to have a conversation with, you know, I mean, we're having a formal quote unquote interview and a podcast, but I mean, you know, I definitely will just be hitting you up on the random at this point to have a, yeah, have a little conversation. I love it. All right. Two more here. Number four, if you could travel anywhere in the world that you have not yet been to, where would it be and why? This is, this question was hard for me because, well, like, this question is hard for me because there's a lot of places in this world. My dad always wanted to go to South America. So, like, South America, I want to go fulfill my dad's dream. But in reality, I'm so freaking fascinated by China. Okay. China is so controversial. China's huge as well. Anywhere particular in China or just in general, like get to China and find your way there. I guess so. Yeah. Get to China, find my way around. Okay. I, I didn't, I mean, I don't even know. I, I feel like Japan is another one, but because of all like that China is mm-hmm. and how people are, I mean, people hate China. I don't know. Everything's made there. It's just, it to me seems so fascinating. I honestly don't have any plans of going there. 
it's not really on my list of places to go. But when I do think about what am I super fascinated about, I think about China. And honestly, I have to also say, the reason it's not really on my list is because I love hot weather. I want to be somewhere where there's an ocean and there's palm trees and I'm in my bathing suit the whole time drinking pina coladas. Like that's my kind of traveling. And I don't think that I'm like a major, I want to go to the museums type of person, at least right now. That's how I'm feeling during COVID. Yeah. When I go to places, I typically go to those places, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm like really fascinated at this point at China, not anywhere in particular, but just, um, I want to see the technology and fair enough. I love it. And, and I, I agree with you. I would, there's a lot of places in Asia specifically. I would like Japan for sure. Thailand, absolutely. Vietnam, um, South Korea. There's a lot of places in Asia in general, I would like to get to, but, um, China would be interesting to get there and see what it's like for yourself. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. Um, so much about it all the time, but yeah, because, you know, like I just, we're only fed what we're fed. You know what I mean? And it would be, it would be eye-opening. I'm sure in a number of realms to get the information. I mean, in person. Again, I traveled pretty much only the United States with Soul Seed, but even going to like the Midwest, the East Coast, the South, places I'd never been before. You show up there, and you're not. You don't know anybody, right? Like you're singled out. You're no longer, you know, in your in your your friend group, your mindset, whatever. And all of a sudden, it's important that you, you know. Uh, adapt and it would be interesting to see um, what is really going on in China and the technology as you uh, mentioned and the the mass production um, and the the mass population all these things like I want to visit that for myself and get my own views on the Chinese culture um, and Asia in general I mean my, my girls are obsessed and we had this big kind of plan to get to Thailand and then the pandemic hit and we weren't able to go. But um, many countries in Asia in general are on the list. Uh, and again, it's just a matter of getting back into traveling. But um, I, I I love that one. And China, there's so much to see in China. There's so much to see. Yeah, so that's, that's like a, the medicine there is a big thing for me too. I'm like, um, you know, I've definitely dabbled in Chinese medicine every time I can. I like to stop at one of those um, like the Chinese herbal store mm-hmm. and get medicine from them Love that. and all the herbs and supplements that they take the teas. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly, yeah, I've heard so much about it, that I know what it's like. I've, my mom is from Kenya. I've been to Kenya many times. If you listen, or I shouldn't say many times, I take that back. I've been to Kenya once. And, um, if you listen to the radio or the news, it's like Kenya is so dangerous and be careful in Africa and oh my gosh, there's giant bugs and they're going to get you. It's not like that. The people are the sweetest. Mm-hmm. The food is fantastic. The Everything there is just like unreal mm-hmm. chill. It's mm-hmm. like so amazing. Usually but, the case. And that's, that's why, <clears throat> you know, I, you're going to get me fired up here at the end of the episode. That's why I think it's so important that A, you travel and B, you you turn off your media outlets yeah. if if they're not you know they're not speaking a positivity. You're right. There's there's un, unsavory situations everywhere. There's not nice people everywhere. But you know what? There's a lot more of awesome people, love, hugs, 
welcomeness, people willing to take you into their home, incredible food, incredible scenery, incredible travel, people. Um, God, man, you're going to get me all fired up because I heard that forever. You know, we go to... we. We go to we go to state after state. We'll be like, "Hey, you know, family, we're on our way to Texas. Never been there. Like, who knows somebody?" But and then you get all these comments. You're like, "Oh God, Texas!" And then you get there. You're like, "Yeah, I mean, you know, there's some things in Texas maybe I don't agree with, but there's so many amazing people. Also, there's amazing scenery. There's this these towns. There's these clubs. Blah blah blah. Same thing with the East Coast, the South, the Midwest, whatever. I mean, all you're gonna hear is that person's perspective, right?" So if somebody if somebody loved their experience in Kenya, guess what you're going to hear? It's incredible. It's amazing. Can't wait to go back. If they didn't like their experience in Kenya, guess what you're going to hear? So you got to be careful. You got to do it on your own. I totally agree with you. Samira, I have one more question for you, and we're going to get out of here. But before we do that, I just want to acknowledge you and send some extra love your way. Again, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. We've had a two-hour episode and it's felt like 15 minutes. And I just so appreciate your time, your energy. Again, we've known each other for quite a few years, but we haven't been able to have these kind of conversations because we're always running on or off of stage, which is super fun, but it's not time for this. I really appreciate you sharing, you know, personal situations with your father and your parents and, and the fact that we related so much on kind of our you know, uh, type of relationship. I thought that was, that was a lot of fun. And, um, I just really encourage you to a stick with music, which I know you will, but you're really on the ascending and, and seeing you perform and growing as a musician just the last couple of years has been incredible. And you're, you're ever upward. I appreciate that your, your work in, um, activism, your work with the elderly, your work with nonprofits, the McKindu Children's Program. I mean, you're doing so many incredible things. Your heart is enormous and uh, I'm always rooting for you. So I really appreciate you. I commend you for standing up for what you believe in, following your passion with music and serving others less fortunate for you. So keep it going, girl. You got my vote every single time and I really appreciate you. My last question, what is a personal accomplishment you're most proud of? Well, um, still, I guess that I would say I'm super freaking happy that I did jazz combos in 2015. It really changed my life. I mean, met the love of my life, met my band. I really probably wouldn't be talking to you right now if I didn't take that class. So super glad that I put aside a lot of things and decided to just like you know, it was part of the time of like, I'm changing my major all the time. I don't know what I'm doing. I guess I'll do this class. Um, so I'd say that I put aside some of my thoughts about if I'm able to do this and just did it. And I'm super glad that I did that. Um, that's definitely something that I feel super good about. And then the other thing would be to take care of my health via lifestyle. That's been a big thing for me too. Um, I have Crohn's disease and the doctors told me I had to be on this medicine or else pretty much. And I went to an Ayurvedic practitioner, went to a Chinese medicine doctor, went to a functional medicine doctor, and those are my people now. And I'm um, doing everything through diet and lifestyle. So I'm very happy about being able to make those changes in my life. Both of those things, I mean, doing the jazz combos class and then managing my health without um, medicine, which I have no problem. I have no judgment for anybody who has 
but it definitely has been a good experience for me. So, but it's also hard. That's a hard one to do. Exactly. And, uh, I, I appreciate you, you sharing, um, you're having Crohn's disease, uh, Amber's father does as well. And, um, you know, again, I commend you for, you know, going the Ayurvedic route and going Chinese medicine and trying to better your body and your, your overall spirit, um, best that you possibly can. And, and, uh, I wish you, wish you health and strength, of course. And again, I appreciate you coming on before we get out of here. Um, you've mentioned your website, you mentioned your couple of groups that you're involved with some of your nonprofits, um, let us know where we can find you, whether it's social media pages, your website, anything else uh, where you want to direct the Seed Chernots to find more of your content. Yeah, I would say to go to my website and join the list. I do not send anything out unless I have anything to send out, which recently has not been anything. So um, yeah, just go to my website. And I think at the bottom of the page, it's a, there's a place to sign up there. and. Um, I'd be happy to share anything. It also says to connect with me. I'm super open to that. I believe that one of the most powerful things about the era that we are in right now is the fact that we can connect with anybody anywhere. I love that. I love that. And it's special and it's super true. Um, I've reached out to many musicians. I never thought I would be able to even talk to, and now we're friends, uh, in the sports world. I've, I've reached out to writers and podcast hosts and TV hosts and personalities, former athletes. I never thought I would have a conversation with, and now they're in my phone as, as somebody I can text at a whim and have a conversation with. So when Samira says, reach out and connect with her, I encourage you to do that. And make sure to go to samiralobby.com. You can find her on social medias as well. And of course, you can find the uh, Soul Seed brand anywhere on social media as well. Samira, it's been an absolute treasure. I appreciate you on here. Thank you again so much for putting in two hours of your time. Uh, I always I always free flow these conversations. They could be 20 minutes. They could be three hours, whatever. And uh, it felt it felt nice. It felt comfortable. And I, again, appreciate you sharing your story. It matters to me. And um, I've wanted to hear it for a really long time. So thank you again for your time and your energy here on the podcast. And I can't wait to reconnect with you. I can't wait either. Thank you so much for having me. It's definitely been an incredible experience. And I really miss you all at Soul Seeds. So hope to see you soon. We'll get it again, girl. All right, y'all be good to yourself. Be good to each other. One more time, the one and only Samira Lobby. Thanks for tuning in to the More Than Music podcast. We appreciate it if you'd leave us an honest rating and review wherever you're listening to the podcast. And please also subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on all social media platforms at Soul Seed Music. That's at S-O-L-S-E-E-D Music. For those that leave a five-star rating and review, be sure to listen for your comments to be read on a future episode. Stay tuned for our next episode and feel free to share this podcast with a friend or a family member and let's expand the branches of our family tree. We appreciate you vibing with us today, and we'll catch you next time on More Than Music.